interrupt our program to bring you this important message. So we were talking about off camera about that I'm aging every minute. And I'll tell you what, that little stinker, that's my daughter, Grace, that we we just saw surfing and she kept me young. And one of the ways she did that is we annually went to the fair and she had me ride every single ride, less one that I couldn't take because I would have lost my cookies. But in multiple times, I would have to sit for 10, 15 minutes and she'd sit next to me on the bench just to recoup. But she would just go, go, go. And why did she keep me young? She died. She was murdered October 13th of 2021. And that's that's why I'm here. And um, I've aged considerably since she died. But I want to share a little bit about her spirit. Uh, this was written to us by uh, one of her classmates. We homeschooled Grace, but she still had classmates because some of the co-ops my wife took her to involved lots of different kids. And one of them wrote um, just a couple of weeks ago, I'm just quoting this. One thing about your daughter, Grace, that I'm noticing now is that every time I read the Bible or a Bible study book, every time it mentions Grace, almost as a person, but I can't help thinking about your Grace because every time it talks about Grace, it describes how I knew her and what I saw from her and we named her after God's grace. And this last Sunday was the end of the 2022 Wisconsin deer hunt. And Grace hunted with me every year other than uh, this last year. And she was, she was a fantastic shot. And to frame deer hunting in context, to show you how old I am, 45 years ago, when I went to public school, we, when I say we, all the guys in my class, including me, brought our deer rifles to school. That was the standard operating procedure because our dads would pick us up early. We'd we'd be able to do afternoon hunts, and it was just part of the the way we grew up. Um, so I want to dive into why am I doing this? Uh, I I uh, I'm woken up. My daughter Grace had to give her life in order to wake me up, and I don't want anybody else to have to be woken up this way. So before I uh, introduce Alex Newman, who's my guest for this third podcast, I want to frame the discussion around the blue pill of the American dream, because that's the blue pill that that I bought into. So the American dream in a, in a nutshell is 2.1 children, 1.7 dogs, uh, build up a retirement nest egg so you can retire early, sit on the porch and drink beer. And I bought into that. And I went to kindergarten in 1968. The propaganda, believe it or not, was already started then. Uh, we received the weekly reader. And in the weekly reader, 
it told us that it's irresponsible to have more than two children, that our parents were wasteful if they had an electric can opener. Uh, this stuff, uh, when I look back, I see I see it now because I'm I'm woken up. Uh, Fifty five years ago, uh, we were told just about every child that they're starving people in China, so eat everything on your plate. Uh, and of course, I, uh, being that I've always been a wiseacre, I told my mom that, uh, well, they then just send the liver to China if that's the case. So we've been programmed to accept this blue pill. Alex Newman is probably the ultimate red pill expert. In fact, he is the content coordinator for the Red Pill Expo. And I just saw him there three weeks ago because we both spoke there. Um, he knows more about the global agenda than anybody that that I know. It's an honor to have him on. He's the founder and president of Liberty Sentinel Media. He's an award-winning international journalist, educator, author, speaker, investor, consultant, and he seeks to glorify God in everything he does. And I've witnessed that personally. Uh, he's re been responsible indirectly for me meeting Vera Sherev, who I've been working with for the last three months doing interviews together to explain that we're on the verge of a worldwide Holocaust. And it's because he interviewed her and I saw the interview and ultimately that motivated me to contact Vera. Uh, he's also a contributor to the Epic Times. He's the senior editor of The New American. And he's got several uh, books, uh, website links, et cetera, that'll all be linked to in the show notes. Uh, he is truly an extra, extraordinary man of God and has too many accolades to list. So, Alex, let's bring Alex right in, Don. Good to see you again. Great to be here. What an honor. Thank you so much, Scott. I'm going to jump in with, I have a whole bunch of questions that uh, ultimately, it, it's hard to prepare for an interview with somebody like you because you're 10 times smarter than I could be in 10 lifetimes. But I have questions that are ultimately on my mind and I'm guessing would be on other people's minds that I, I think that you would be able to provide insight to. So the first one comes from when you were, you just got back from Egypt, but when you were in Egypt, you were interviewed by Jim Schneider from Crosstalk. And you made the statement um, from the, the COP27 convention that they are creating a new system of morality and ethics. Can you give the audience a global perspective as to what that new system means? Yeah, very happy to do that. Thank you, Scott. And I think uh, you are one of the people who has already experienced what that new system of morality looks like with what happened to your daughter. Um, and, and I think that type of thing is going to be happening a lot more. In fact, in Canada now, we're seeing these absolute maniacs masquerading as doctors calling for adding uh, infants up to one year old to the uh, medical assistance in Diamond. They're talking about literally killing babies after they're born if they have some deformity or some uh, problem where where these quacks uh, think that they're not uh, worthy of continuing to live uh, and and so i think that is what people should have in mind and in, in the back of their minds as as i explain what i witnessed at this un uh, climate summit um you know the, the the standard stuff that always happens you know they're, they're talking about well you need to give us more money you need to give up more of your freedom you can't use uh, fossil fuels etc cetera, etc cetera. But I, I think the even more important story was the, the really the unveiling of this new system of morality. They actually had religious leaders from all these different, uh, they call them faith traditions, uh, congregate there on the Sinai Peninsula. And uh, they did this big ceremony. They actually walked up to the top of Mount Sinai. I walked up a couple of days after them. But uh, they, um, they, they had this ceremony for climate repentance, where they repented of their climate sins. 
And if you listen to these people, you don't even have to listen very carefully because at these conferences, they assume everybody's uh, kind of on board with this drinking the Kool-Aid. Uh, they're, they're very open about what they regard as climate sins. Uh, having too many children is a terrible, terrible sin against the climate. Uh, in fact, uh, the first climate summit that I went to, this was fresh out of journalism school in 2009. I went to Copenhagen for the COP15, uh, I believe it was. Um, the, the communist Chinese delegation uh, did a, a sideshow presentation where they were talking about how much less CO2 there was in the atmosphere because of their absolutely barbaric one child policy. Uh, for those who are not familiar with it uh, until recently, you could only have one child in China uh, under penalty of law. And uh, they, they would literally, I mean, they'd kidnap women who were eight months, nine months pregnant. They'd strap them down to a table and they would just suck that baby out and, and murder it. Um, they, they would forcibly sterilize people. And so the communist Chinese delegation comes in and they're bragging about how uh, how wonderful it is that there is now uh, less CO2 in the atmosphere because of this horrific uh, barbarian policy. To, to give you some sense of where these people are coming from with their population control fanaticism. Uh, other climate sins include uh, your CO2 emissions. Uh, have you been driving a, a vehicle? Have you been taking too many airplane flights for non-essential reasons? Have you gone on vacation? Have you been eating steak, right? Because cows emit methane and, and supposedly that's a, a climate sin. So uh, they repented of their climate sins. And then the, the most blasphemous part of all, they whipped out these two tablets um, that were supposed to be the new Ten Commandments. They were painted green. And, um, you know, they, they kind of redid the Bible story, right? In, in the Bible, uh, Moses goes up Mount Sinai. God gives him these Ten Commandments. Uh, Moses comes back down and finds these uh, silly people worshiping a cow uh, that they have made. And he gets really upset and he smashes the tablets. So uh, these climate religious people, uh, they smashed the Green Ten Commandments, because, of course, we are not uh, treating Mother Earth as she deserves to be treated. So they unveiled these new Ten Commandments. Uh, I actually spent uh, about uh, 40 minutes interviewing the ringleaders of this thing. And uh, one of the uh, one of the ringleaders, he's the uh, founder and CEO of the Peace Department, which was one of the groups uh, involved in organizing this. He says, uh, well, you know, we got some bad press over uh, the new Ten Commandments. So uh, th these are actually an addendum to the Ten Commandments, not new Ten Commandments. Uh, and, and he said, you know, we're working on the Third Covenant now. I mean, just things that are absolutely blasphemous to, to anybody who takes the Bible seriously. Um, and, and in tandem with all of this ushering in of the, the new religious system, they, they brought in pagans that, you know, they had a Hindu leaders, they had a, a shaman from the Amazon rainforest. Uh, but in parallel with this, the UN itself, the, the secular side of the UN, uh, revealed in this new report that they put out for the COP27 that, uh, in their view, the system of morality and ethics that had uh, uh, developed as humans evolved over the last few thousand years, is how they put it, was no longer adequate to taking good care of the earth. And so they, they said in plain English, we need a new system of morality, a new system of ethics that will make us sustainable. So that's kind of the backdrop of what's happening here, Scott. They're unveiling this new global spirituality. They're trying to, in their terms, leverage faith communities to get on this bandwagon. And they are very, very serious about uh, undoing the old system of morality that came from the Ten Commandments and implementing this new one. That's unbelievable. I want to just share an example because you brought up about the one child policy and people think that that can't happen in the United States, but it already is happening. It's called abortion. Grace had Down syndrome. 67% of Down syndrome children are already murdered in the United States before they're born. When Grace was born, when I tell the story, people have a hard time believing it. But when she was born, uh, I thought instantly she had Down syndrome. We never did any testing and she just looked like it and it was great and the doctors had a huddle two hours later they came in and said to my wife and i 
we believe your daughter has Down syndrome. Do you want to keep her? Now, this was not to murder her at that point, but they just assumed that we wouldn't want her because she has a disability. And that banality of evil is ultimately a big piece of the uh, how they can accomplish the agenda. Don, can you bring up the actual Ten Commandments that the new Ten Commandments that that uh, Alex referenced? Let's scroll down, Alex. I want you to just pick one or two of these and comment on them. So you can see we are stewards of the world. Uh, creation manifests divinity. Everything in life is interconnected. These things sound okay. So what's yep. wrong with them? Yeah. yeah, well, as you read through these, what you realize is that this puts the environment and the creation at the center of our moral obligation uh, and, and really removes true sin from the picture, right? Uh, God has already defined evil. God has already defined sin. Uh, and, and he did that in very plain terms. Thou shalt not murder, okay? Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not bear false witness, right? Don't lie. Uh, don't commit adultery. Don't create false gods for yourself to worship. Uh, so, so God has already given us a system of morality, uh, and it involves our individual actions. Really, uh, what it all boils down to is we are sinning against the creator, this new system of morality removes the, the importance of the sin against the creator and against our fellow human beings, right? The first tablet of the law uh, was our, uh, our relationship with God, right? Uh, don't create idols for yourself, keep his name holy, etc. cetera. Uh, the other one was our, our relationships with our fellow human beings that God created. Don't lie to them, don't commit adultery, et cetera. This new system of morality cast that aside and says, no, 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 the real concern is the creation. Are you taking enough care of the earth? Are you considering the environmental impact of every action and decision that you make? Uh, so it really, I, I think you can't really understand all this stuff unless you go to the Bible, because again, these people are kind of going to the Bible more to pervert it than than to uh, actually uh, take it seriously or respect it. But if you go to Romans 1, you have this a very interesting passage where it talks about people worshiping the creation rather than the creator. And uh, what you see is God uh, is very, very upset about this. And, and he actually talks about how people have to suppress the truth in their unrighteousness, because you don't need your Bible to know about the attributes of God. In fact, there have been studies done where little babies, right, small children, uh, before they've been exposed to any kind of religious stuff, they might come from Hindu family, uh, uh, Buddhist family, Jewish family, Islamic family, doesn't matter. They all have an innate understanding that they were created by an all-powerful, loving, and omniscient God. So, uh, you know, they, they may not be able to quote chapter and verse for you, but they have this understanding that they were created, that they were created for a purpose. Uh, God has also placed uh, the, his moral code. He's written it within our hearts, he says. So we all understand, even before we, we study the Bible, that murdering our fellow human beings is wrong, that, that cheating and stealing is wrong. So we all have an innate understanding of these things. But then in Romans 1, you have this, this interesting section where people are suppressing the truth about God, that God has made plain for everyone to see. Uh, and they're coming up with this new system where they're worshiping the creation rather than the creator. And, and ultimately, I think it, it really is diabolical in the truest sense of the term, because it replaces what should be uh, our, our, the subject of our worship, God, the, the one who created us, the one who created the heavens and the earth, taking that out of the picture and saying, no, 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 your primary duty is to the planet, to, to the seas, to the, the critters, to whatever. Uh, and that is really a fundamental inversion of what the true God teaches. 
I think that's uh, that's spot on. I, the question I have is, it seems to me with all these uh, related references to the Bible, you know, they're fake references, they're mimicking the real Bible, that they're doing it on purpose to create another religion. And so do you believe that? And if so, what's the reason that they would want to create another religion? Uh, that's actually exactly what's happening here, Scott. And, and the evidence for this is overwhelming. Uh, in fact, I've been covering this story for many years. Um, and and what is going on here is they are trying to uh, cast aside the differences in the religious systems and, and make the argument that essentially we all believe the same thing, uh, which, you know, again, from a Christian perspective, that is absolute blasphemy. That is absolutely false. Uh, I mean, you just read the letters from Paul, right? He says the pagans are not sacrificing these things to idols. In fact, they're sacrificing to demons. So uh, Paul, the, the, the one who wrote more books in the Bible than any other individual, is telling us that people who are worshiping, you know, many false gods or whatever, uh, they're worshiping demons. So how can how can anybody with a straight face say that uh, a Christian who believes what's written in the Bible believes the same thing as someone who the Bible says is worshiping demons? Uh, obviously, those two are entirely incompatible. But if you look at there's been this long uh, train of events that have led up to this point. Uh, just a few years ago in uh, 2019, I wrote an article also for the New American Magazine about the uh, World uh, Parliament of Religions for Peace. They met in Germany. This was funded by the United Nations. This was funded by the U.S. State Department. It was funded by Soros and Rockefeller and all the usual suspects. Uh, and they came out with this final declaration where they essentially said, you know, all, all religions really share the same basic values. We all kind of agree on the basic thing. We maybe have some minor differences in theology, but really we all believe the same thing. We all have the same values. And, and they actually said in plain English, again, you don't even have to read between the lines, that we commit our, uh, our religious uh, movements to, uh, to, to human development as based on the UN Sustainable Development Goals, better known as Agenda 2030. Um, you know, this is blasphemous. This is absolutely blasphemous. If you read the Agenda 2030, uh, it's basically a recipe for global totalitarianism. It's a recipe for uh, undoing uh, civilization. It's a recipe for smashing Christian civilization to bits, right? And, and you can think of just some very, very plain examples, right? God says in the Ten Commandments, thou shalt not steal. Okay, there's, there's no wiggle room there. It's not like if you put on a funny costume, then it's suddenly okay to steal, right? Uh, it's, it's just plain. You cannot steal from your neighbor. Well, uh, the, this new system, the Agenda 2030, if you go to goal number 10, they specifically actually call there for global thievery. Uh, they, uh, clearly, God didn't know what he was doing when resources were distributed. Uh, that, and they say there that the national wealth redistribution is no longer enough. Now we need international wealth redistribution. They say we have to get rid of uh, inequality. Uh, well, that requires thievery on a massive scale, right? If you're going to redistribute everybody's stuff, the first step in redistributing everybody's stuff is taking away everybody's stuff, right? So a yeah. plain contradiction with the clear text of the Bible, and yet you had uh, senior representatives of the Catholic Church, senior representatives of evangelical churches. Uh, one, one of the guys who organized this new Ten Commandments thing in Sinai, Archbishop of the Evangelical Church of Finland, right? A, a major evangelical denomination. You had Orthodox leaders there. You had uh, Jewish leaders, Islamic leaders, Hindu leaders. So you have all these people coming together and saying, basically, we all agree on the basic things. And of course, uh, this is simply not true for a Christian who takes the Bible seriously. So they are moving toward consolidating the world's religions into this 
one world superstructure. In fact, shortly before the uh, the COP27, they had this major meeting. The Pope was there in um, in Astana, in Kazakhstan, with religious leaders from all the, the big religions around the world. And again, the, the subject of we all really believe the same thing. Uh, it's not true, but that is what they are arguing to the people of the world. That's unbelievable. You know, every single religion of the world has to deal with Jesus. And Christianity is the only one that deals with Jesus in the proper context. Everybody else has to make some type of an excuse. But I mean, Jesus claimed to be God. And so when that when a person makes that type of claim, um, you know, you have to deal with it as a as a different religion. So we are not all the same. It's it's so crystal clear. Yeah. How do you think that these things that are happening, this globalist sustainability agenda, how does it fit into the end time prophecies? Yeah, that's a really good question. And I, I have spent a lot of time studying this. Uh, what I will say is the more I study, the more I realize um, I'm just simply not qualified to to understand it. Uh, you know, and that's the case with prophecy uh, a lot of times. Um, at the time that the prophecy is delivered, it's a little bit opaque, right? It, it, you, you won't necessarily understand it until the things start coming together. And so, uh, you know, the Bible talks about this one world religious system, this one world governing system. Um, and I think there are very important eschatological implications to this. I think people really um, have an obligation to look into this because when, when you have prophecies in a book that is the best-selling book in all of human history that has been tried to be suppressed by uh you know endless parade of dictators governments other religious leaders etc you have to take seriously the things that that says um and you know i, I think the, the bible actually divides things into two categories uh, very very plainly uh, jesus christ twice in the gospels is quoted as saying um, you're either with me or you're against me, right? Jesus Christ very plainly says, I am the way and that no one comes to the Father through me. So uh, these are truth claims that are um, uh, not compatible with any other religious view. Either they're true or they're not, but the Christianity and some other religion cannot both be true at the same time. Uh, the law of non-contradiction uh, is clear. Both of these truth claims cannot be true at the same time. Either Jesus is the only way or he is not. Uh, so I think right here we have a very clear division that everybody needs to be paying attention to, whether you're Christian or not. Right. This is something that you have to factor into account. Uh, and I think that uh, the direction things are going, uh, there really is some important eschatological implications. I encourage people to read the book of Revelation. I encourage people to go study uh, uh, the book of Daniel. I encourage people to read uh, the prophecies that Christ himself gave about the end times uh, that you'll find in, in Matthew and you'll find in Luke and some of the other uh, gospel accounts. Uh, and, and, you know, even Paul talks some about this. And, and I think uh, we really need to be paying attention to this because this is potentially the most uh, the most important thing uh, in our future. So. Well, I, I couldn't agree more with you. Uh, I'm going to switch gears and drill down something more specific that I have been working on this last week. But I and I'm really asking because of my own work on it because it was shocking to me. What do you know about the committee of 300? Well, I've read about the Committee of 300, and that this is uh, one of the many organizations that are kind of pulling the strings behind the scenes. Um, and, and I have spent a lot of time digging into these various networks, right? Uh, there are a lot, in addition to the Committee of 300, uh, there are a lot that, I mean, a lot of groups that even have websites and stuff, right? I, I wrote a whole book called uh, Deep State, The Invisible Government Behind the Scenes, where I try to kind of break down for people 
you know, we, we often hear people talk about they, they are doing such and such. They used COVID to, to take away our freedom. All right, well, who is they? Uh, and so I, I try to drill down into this, uh, looking at the various networks that we can document have been involved in this. Uh, the Committee of 300 is, is kind of more uh, mysterious, I guess. Uh, you know, it's not that they have a website or anything like that. Uh, so I, I focused on the ones where we have a lot of evidence that I can uh, you know, bring to the table and show people without any shadow of a doubt. Look, here is this operation. Uh, here is their website. Here is what their own people have said in, in uh, media accounts. And so uh, we should be paying attention to this. So I look at the Bilderberg. I look at the Council on Foreign Relations. Uh, there are occult secret societies that are involved in this. So the Skull and Bones Society at Yale University. You've got the, the weirdos at the Bohemian Grove out in Northern California. Uh, and, and some of the rituals have been caught on tape, right? Uh, so I, I think it's, it's important for people to realize that um, the people that we see on TV, the people that are trotted out as our leaders, as the decision makers, uh, that's not where the buck stops. And, and you know, as a Christian, I, I tell people the, the most important thing to understand is that we are in a battle against the forces of evil. Right. Um, their commander in chief is Satan himself. And, um, you know, once you understand that, the rest kind of falls into place. And so uh, I think it's important for people to understand this. I think it's important for people not to obsess about it. But I did write a whole book about it because I thought it's important for people to know that this is documented, that these people have names, they have addresses. Um, and so I, I encourage people to look into this because once you realize how the world really works, it becomes much more difficult for you to be deceived when the latest narrative pops up on CNN or whatever fake media outlet. Well, that's a that's a fantastic answer. The the satanic agenda. You're right on. I mean, we're in a spiritual war. So if we are being played as part of the Hegelian dialectic, so just to frame that as it applied to COVID. Of course, we 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 got COVID, which was the problem. Uh, the preordained reaction was the propaganda of fear, and then the preordained solution, the jab. So we have problem, reaction, solution. In the, in the bigger view, the satanic view of this whole thing, we have um, the, the overall worldwide uh, panic system that's going to be put in place. So we have, you know, the Great Reset is going to create this worldwide panic. And I want to talk about food shortages coming up here next. But so then we have the problem, the reaction, the panic, and then ultimately... God says Satan is going to masquerade himself as an angel of light. So somehow there's going to be a satanic solution that's going to dupe people and give us a false light. So what's your perspective of what is that going to look like? Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head. And that's actually one of the main subjects of my talk at the most recent Red Pill Expo was the use of these crises by these evil forces to try to get us to do what they want. Uh, COVID was really a, a, a perfect example of that, um, <clears throat> where they, they come up with this problem and then they uh, steer the reaction with the propaganda. And fear is, is a tool of the enemy. Right? In fact, the Bible specifically tells us God did not send you a spirit of fear period, end of discussion. If you're feeling fear, that didn't come from God, right? <laughs> end of story. Um, and then that fear is then used, it's manipulated to get us to do things that we otherwise wouldn't do. Uh, the same thing that they're doing with the crises. And so, uh, you know, the Bible describes Satan uh, in a number of really interesting ways, right? Uh, he's described in the New Testament as the uh, the God of this world in, in one verse. Uh, he's described as the prince of this world. He's described in, in terms that would suggest that he's incredibly powerful, 
uh, within this realm at this time. And he is. Now, as Christians, we believe Satan has been defeated. In fact, uh, what he thought was going to be his greatest victory, killing Jesus Christ, ended up sealing his fate. He's doomed. It's over. The battle is finished. Uh, but in the meantime, there are things that need to happen. And so I, I think when the Bible talks about him as the God of this world, it's important not to misunderstand that. He's not a God. He's not an equal counterpart to God. He's not a legitimate challenge to God's authority. But he has deceived, the Bible says, uh, and, and, and blinded the minds of them who believe not the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, and so there are people all over this world who are blinded, who are totally deceived, who are slaves to sin. And, and being a slave to sin means you are under satanic control, satanic influence. Uh, and so that is something that I think we saw very clearly during COVID, right? Uh, true Christians... Um, were not scared by what happened during COVID. Um, you know, it, it, it's just when the whole world is panicking, Christians should be an island, an oasis of peace. And and that actually, the Bible says, will will cause others to look at us and be like, wow. You know, why, why are they so calm? Why are they so joyful during this crazy time? Uh, and, and that should be the attitude of Christians through everything, through through tribulations, through persecutions, through uh, uh, any kind of suffering we have to go through for the sake of the Lord. But I do think that uh, understanding the Bible is the most critical thing that people could do in these times. Because if you don't understand what the Bible says about reality, if you don't understand the fact that, as you pointed out, Scott, we are in the middle of a spiritual battle. Uh, and the Bible teaches this in crystal clear language. You know, go to Ephesians chapter six. It talks about we're not battling against flesh and blood, right? Our real enemy is not George Soros. It's not Bill Gates. It's not uh, the, the clowns at the uh, Skull and Bones Society. These, these are fallen human beings. Uh, and in fact, before knowing Christ, we were all headed to the same destination, right? We were dead men right. walking on the highway to hell, as ACDC put it. Um, and uh, you know, by the grace of God, we have been rescued from that. We have been uh, made, uh, we've been rescued from being slaves to sin. Uh, and I think that's the most important thing for people to understand. Satan will throw all kinds of stuff at us, but God is sovereign. And Satan uses tactics that the Bible describes. Lies, deception, fear, right? Uh, and these are all the tactics that the totalitarians working to bring about the Great Reset, that the totalitarians behind COVID employed very obviously during the so-called COVID crisis. No, no question about it. Don, can you bring up the, the world graphic? I want to just have Alex's comment on this. So this graphic shows that what I see happening now is that we're being presented with two ways. One is the Great Reset, which a lot of people are waking up to, and then the Great Awakening, which a number of people are promoting as the solution. Uh, God's way seems to always be outside of well, and that seems to be, it's always outside of what man can produce. Uh, so it, when I, I listened to you on Brandon House on the 25th of November and Ann Vandersteel came on and made the statement that she didn't, that they, meaning the, the elites in charge of the Great Reset, didn't think this through um, at the level they needed to, meaning that they didn't think through that mankind would respond and take a stand. And what I, when I read between the lines, I thought, well, her response presumes that this is not satanic, which if it's satanic, which I believe it is, the only solution to this is to understand how we got here, which is, so the solution is repentance because we got here because we rejected God. So anyway, I would like your comment on that. 
I, I think you're 100 percent correct, Scott, in, in terms of what we need to do here. Um, and, and, you know, I think there's, there's a common mistake that a lot of people who are studying this make, and that is to ascribe to Satan and, and his forces the powers that really belong to God, like sovereignty. Right. A lot of people say, well, everything is controlled by Satan. Every single element. No. Right. Satan is a created being. He's a fallen being. Only God is sovereign. Uh, and so Satan makes plans all the time. Right. I mean, you can go back to uh, to, to David uh, in, in the early uh, in the book of Psalms. In Psalm 2, you read that the kings of the earth are conspiring together against God. So this is not a new problem that the powerful people on this planet uh, in league with Satan are, are conspiring against God, against Jesus Christ, against God. God's people. That's normal. That's been going on throughout all of history. If Satan had his way, uh, we wouldn't be having this conversation right now, Scott. But Satan doesn't get to have his way. He That's is right. uh, he is a, a created being and he is under God's authority even now. Right. You can go in and read the book of Job. It's so interesting. Satan actually has to go ask God for permission for everything. Right. Uh, you know, can I do this to Job? And God's like, well, OK, I guess so. Right. Uh, so it's not like Satan just has free agency to do whatever he wants. Right. I mean, we are right. God's children. God will protect us. And so I, I think when we look at this great reset, we need to recognize that uh, the solutions are not necessarily political. They're not necessarily educational. They are spiritual. And so uh, one of the things that a, a good friend of mine told me the other day that I just I absolutely love, he said, you got to fight the Great Reset with the Great Commission. Jesus Christ gave us clear instructions. We are to go out and make disciples of all nations. We are to baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We are to teach them to obey all the things that God commanded us. And guess what? When you live in a society where people obey the things that God has commanded, where people are adopted as God's children, um, none of this stuff is possible, right? I mean, you can't have a Christian society that would do the things envisioned under the Great Reset. So I think, you know, it's important for Christians to be involved in politics. It's important for Christians to be involved in these areas. But ultimately, the solution is not going to come from a politician. It's not going to come from voting. The solution is going to be if, if this is going to be stopped. And I do think it's possible that it could be stopped in God's sovereignty if it's going to be stopped though, it involves, like you said, repentance. It involves uh, obeying God, uh, following his precepts, uh, paying attention to the moral code that he has given us. Uh, that, of course, is, is uh, enshrined in the Ten Commandments, not the new Ten Commandments, the actual Ten Commandments that God delivered to Moses. Okay, I want to come back. Thank you for that, Alex. I want to come back to the food shortages idea because you've spent a considerable amount of time on that. And so can you explain what you see coming relative to food shortages and then uh, any other evils that you see being concocted by the cabal to get us into this panic state that, that I believe is coming next? Yeah, food shortages are going to be one of the big ones. Uh, they've already started. A lot of people think, oh, you're just being a conspiracy. No, food shortages have already started, right? There are millions of people around the world right now who are struggling to acquire food. Um, and this is true on the Horn of Africa. This is true in Yemen. This is true in in parts of Asia. Uh, Sri Lanka just experienced massive food shortages because their criminal socialist regime imposed the very same policies that the UN is advocating for the whole planet. So this is being orchestrated. It's being engineered. It's being engineered in tandem with other crises that are very rapidly headed our way. Um, I think uh, you know the food shortage is going to be one of the really difficult ones to deal with because when your children are hungry, uh, and, and you know any parent can vouch for this, when your children are hungry. Um, there's almost nothing you won't be willing to accept to make sure you can feed them, right? Well, hey, you got to take this vaccine. Hey, you got to take this mark. Hey, you got to, uh, you know, get a digital ID. You got to go live in this, uh, you know, happy fun camp, right? Uh, parents would do almost anything when they see their children starving. Uh, it's just a fact of life. Parents love their children. 
So the food shortages that are being engineered as we speak uh, that are going to start materializing, I think, even in the Western world um, sometime, probably within uh, the next few years. Uh, these are going to be very, very dramatic. They're going to be very, very hard to deal with, especially for people who have not been paying any attention and who have not prepared. Uh, it's going to put uh, the bulk of humanity in a very, very vulnerable position. Uh, we're also facing catastrophic energy crises all over the world, right? I mean, you can go read the headlines. They're, they're talking about blackouts all over Europe. They're talking about blackouts in big parts of the United States. They're talking about blackouts in Japan for this winter, right? And uh, what happens if you live in a northern climate, if you live in Scandinavia, if you live in Germany, if you live in uh, uh, you know, New Hampshire or Vermont or Montana, and you don't have power to heat your home, uh, things get ugly real quick, right? They talk about global warming. Give me a break. Global cooling and cooling uh, kills radically more people than uh, um, uh, warming. And yet here we are decimating our own energy systems. This is, of course, by design. It's engineered. They're shutting down coal, uh, gas. They're shutting down nuclear uh, they, they claim we're going to power our stuff on windmills, right? Well, we saw how that worked out in Texas uh, last winter when a whole bunch of people died because the stupid windmills wouldn't work in the cold, right? Uh, this is a, a very dangerous situation we're facing. Uh, they're also preparing a currency crisis. Uh, they are inflating uh, away the value of the dollar. And I believe the dollar is going to be absolutely decimated. It's going to hit people very, very hard. Uh, in fact, I think it's going to hit people uh, harder than most currency crises have hit people throughout history. Uh, and there's a number of reasons for that that I, I won't necessarily get into now just for lack of time. But you combine all those things. Then you have Klaus Schwab talking about a cyber pandemic, where maybe they're going to knock out the power grid for a while, take down the internet for a while. These are all, I think, precursors to, to ushering in this global tech technocratic totalitarian system. At least that's what they think is going to result from this. Um, you know, they're preparing for this. So the billionaire class, the elites that are bringing this about, they've already got their bunkers stocked with food. They've got their underground time. I mean, they, they've been preparing for this for a long time. Uh, I don't think they're going to be able to escape the consequences. In fact, I've, I've been hearing for, for years now that uh, these elites, they're terrorized even of their own security people, right? How, how are we going to keep our security guards from turning around and murdering us and eating all the food we stockpile? So, uh, you know, they're going to live in fear. This is not going to work out well for them, but they are planning to unleash crisis after crisis after crisis to try to get humanity to submit to this evil agenda. Okay, now you brisk brought up Klaus Schwab. I, I, uh, I have to do this because you. I would pay to see you do these interpretations of Klaus Schwab because it is so <laughs> funny. So you've got to do one of these before we start wrapping up. So give your best Klaus Schwab <laughs> There you uh, we must have a great reset and you must eat the bugs and you must have a digital ID because a great reset is going to be good for humanity. So uh, he, he is such a wackadoodle. And I, I, I really I cannot imagine how they chose this guy to be the front man for their global agenda, because he's, he's probably the creepiest guy I know of on the international stage. And that German accent, just uh, charming. <laughs> All right. Where do you? Okay. So this on a personal note, I mean, I'm I'm after people deprogramming themselves, right? That's why this is called deprogramming with Grace's dad. It's the single most important thing I've learned is how programmed I was. So in order to deprogram yourself, you have to get your news from a reliable source. So where do you get your news from and why? Uh, well, thank you, Scott. And I, I agree with you 100%. I, I think having reliable sources of information is 
incredibly critical right now, right? Uh, the old uh, uh, cliche, garbage in, garbage out for computers. Same thing for people, right? If you're getting garbage information in, then you're going to make dumb decisions based on that false information that you're receiving. So I highly recommend people go get a subscription to the New American Magazine. Uh, you can find it at thenewamerican.com. Uh, you can even subscribe for free to just the, the daily headlines and you'll get the most important news in your inbox every day to kind of sort through the fog. Um, uh, you know, depending on how people like to consume their media, uh, you know, the, the New American has a print magazine that goes out twice every month. Uh, I also write for the Epic Times. It's a phenomenal newspaper. It goes out, unless you're in Washington, D.C. or New York, it goes out once a week if you subscribe. Uh, the website's great also. Uh, for people who prefer you know, radio, podcasts, I, I recommend shows like yours. Uh, Deprogramming with, uh, with Grace's dad is phenomenal. Um, Lindell TV, Frank Speech, they've got a lot of good TV shows on there. Uh, you've been on my show there called The Sentinel Report every day from 4.30 to 5 Eastern time on Lindell 2. Um, there are, um, you know, a lot of great websites out there, a lot of great radio shows. You mentioned uh, Jim Schneider, uh, VCY America. They have a wonderful national radio ministry that uh, broadcasts all over the country. Uh, they own uh, and, and operate huge numbers of AM, FM towers. You can find that online. Um, great, great programming that they have there. Um, and, uh, you know, the most important source of all is the Bible, right? Verify everything against uh, the word of God. And, and that, I think, is, is really going to be your ultimate guide for what is true, what is real in the days and the months ahead. Uh, if you're being told something from the TV or from any source that contradicts what's written in the scripture, just throw it out. It's garbage. It's false. It's all you need to know. Outstanding. All right. We're going to wrap up. I want to hear what you think that we can do to take action as a as a simple person. I want to just share uh, a mention about deer hunting. So now that Grace doesn't go deer hunting with me anymore, my grandson started. So he was 10 last year. He got his first buck. He got a doe this year when he's 11. And uh, interestingly, last year, they were still in public school. He was the only kid in his class that went deer hunting. Remember, I said when I went to public school, every every uh, boy in the class went. Uh, anyway, uh, what I'm the happiest about since Grace's death is my daughter, Jessica, has pulled her kids out of public school and started homeschooling. And it is is quite a quite a blessing. So anyway, I'd like to hear uh, your closing comments, uh, Alex, as far as what action steps can people take? Well, praise the Lord for that, Scott. I, I, uh, I, my heart gets warmed every time I hear another story of uh, a child being pulled out of the government's indoctrination centers masquerading as schools. Um, and in fact, I think that's one of the most important things that an average person can do, right? I mean, we, we can't change state laws. We can't change federal laws, not on our own at least, but to all of us, we can pull our children out of public schools uh, and we can do what God says to raise them up in the discipline and the admonition and the instruction of the Lord. Uh, we can do what uh, it says in Deuteronomy, right? Talk to your children about God and about God's laws when you're waking up, when you're walking by the way, when you're sitting down to eat, when you're going to bed at night, right? Uh, this is a command for us to be engaged in this important commission that God has given us all day, every day. We should be discipling our children. So I think that's uh, probably the single most important thing that somebody could do. And you'll see uh, almost instant blessings just showering down, uh, you know, a stronger family, a, a happier children, uh, better educated children. Right. Uh, it's, it's just uh, for so many reasons. I, I can't recommend that highly enough. Uh, if you don't yet know the Lord, uh, I cannot recommend highly enough uh, finding a good Bible believing church, uh, you know, 
read about the gospel, right? Jesus Christ came to uh, uh, forgive your sins. He died and took the penalty that was uh, should have been for us, for our sin, uh, and he took that for himself. So if you don't know the Lord yet, uh, and, then, and then he rose again uh, after being killed to, to kind of seal the deal and prove what he had been saying all along. So if you don't know the Lord, uh, critically important. Uh, it's, and, you know, you never know when you may stop breathing. You never know when uh, God may call you out of this life. And uh, you want to be on the right side of that. Uh, also, I, I encourage people to get involved. Um, you know, it, politics isn't for everybody. You know, I, I'm not going to tell everybody to go run for office. If you can run for office, then awesome. Do it. If you can't, Find some local candidates that you can support. Uh, if you're wealthy, if you have money to spare, maybe write them a check. If you don't have money to spare, maybe go out and knock on some doors for them so that they can win their next election. Um, and, uh, you know, just it, the body of Christ, the, the church is uh, one body, but with many members with different functions. So everybody's going to have a different role to play. But I encourage you to just be in prayer about where God wants you in this incredible incredible battle that we find ourselves in. Uh, rejoice that you are in it. And, um, you know, just uh, just follow what he says. So that's a great answer, Alex. You know the the biblical reference here. You know, when I, I uh, have learned a lot from Vera Sherov, and she says, you know, if we don't take action, we become an accomplice. And yep. James four seventeen says, if anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. That's it's critical to not become an accomplice to this. Uh, this system that they are trying to implement. And I, I want to just share this before I give you the last word. People wonder, why are we doing family? And we're standing on Genesis 50, which says, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. And Grace's death has not been in vain. And uh, she not only woke me up, uh, by dying, but many, many lives have been saved. It's been a wonderful blessing. So last word to you, Alex. Hey, man, I, I'm, I'm so glad that you're doing what you're doing, Scott. God is using you and uh, what you're doing in an incredible way. And, you know, people need to know these things. Uh, it's, it's not something that's that's nice. It's not something that we want to hear about, but it's something that we need to know because uh, it's important, because lives are at stake, because what's right is at stake. Uh, so I'm, I'm just so grateful to you, Scott, for what you're doing. Uh, I'm grateful to, to your family uh, for helping you to do this. And uh, I just encourage people to be in prayer. Uh, you know, uh, as you listen to these podcasts, send them out to people. You know, it's something that everybody can do. You have an email list, you have friends, you have family, you have neighbors, you have a pastor. Uh, get this information out there. Uh, the algorithms are, are rigged against us. But guess what? Truth is infinitely more powerful than their lies. Uh, and you can be a part of that. So uh, just be in prayer. And uh, thank you again, Scott, for having me on. It's it's really an honor and a blessing to be here with you. And uh, I hope everybody will keep you and your whole family in prayer as you um, do this incredibly important work. Well, thanks, Alex. The honor, the honor is mine. Please stand by for further details. We return you now to your regularly scheduled program.